This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. The first race of the season is over, or is it? We take a look at Saturday at Newcastle today on Inside Supercars. We hear from Jamie Winkup, Matt Roberts, Tom Moore and George Commons. I remember when we did the change from Ford to Holden and we, we won the first race, which which is very, very um, you know, close to our heart. And then we won the first year of the Gen 2, first race of Gen 2, which was uh, over in Abu Dhabi. Um, but this is a 1-2, 1-2 with a brand new car, very, very, very special. It's, it's right up there with, with those three I mentioned, plus our 1-2 at our Bathurst many years ago. Saturday at Newcastle starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're looking at the first day of racing at Newcastle in Gen 3 era. Craig, it was a fascinating day. Um, we've had qualifying, we've had top 10 shootouts, we've had a race. At this stage, it seems we're still in the provisional area because there's been a protest put in. Uh, quite a bit to come under, under the, the bridge uh, before that happens, but um, an interesting development. An interesting development that will be announced on Sunday morning and I don't know if that means at midnight or whether it means nine o'clock or it probably has to be before on-track action starts although not really because the championship is a series of individual races not weekend points. Correct Um, and of course the one thing that we do know is that um, there'll be a lot to play out uh, as to what the penalty is. It has been deemed that the Triple Eight team of uh, cars 97 and 88 have been found that they had an incorrect procedure used during pit stops to re-top up their uh, ice for driver cooling. Um, they've been found guilty of that, so that's the first step. The next thing is the determination of the penalty. So whether it be financial, points, race position starts, whatever, will all come out in tomorrow's wash. But it was an interesting day because, unfortunately, for the series, it seems as though it's a bit of deja vu. I did joke that we, but I shouldn't say we, the teams have spent collectively in the vicinity of $28 million to have the same result at the end of the day. Indeed, um, and that twenty million covers those twenty-five cars because they each are in the vicinity of seven hundred thousand plus 
with new engines, new mostly drivetrains of uh, the uh, transaxle. What was the other thing? Transaxle. The transaxle is the one component that is common. Yeah. Anyway, to the old one that is, and all new brakes, new steering, new body shapes, new roll bars, the whole deal. But the uh, fascinating thing was, of course, there we were, the same scenario of two triple eight cars out front and then Tickford coming up on the podium in third, which was a terrific result because there were a number of those Tickford cars that got up. James Courtney just got into the 10. Um, a great result for Team 18 because they got their two cars home in the 10 as well. Chas Mostert was the next best in fourth place. So there's plenty of good variety there, but unfortunately the dominance of Triple Eight, fast filling, uh, short filling rather, um, that their uh, first fuel stops in Shane's car, and it made a difference in the end. The strategy obviously worked well for them. But before we get to that, we should actually talk about qualifying very briefly because there was a quite dominant thing that happened, um, and we have to reflect back on 2019 when um, we had a similar field of cars, except they were the Gen 2 cars, and those, uh, the top 10 in that time uh, saw six teams um, reach the top 10. This time round, we've got eight teams in there. So it's a greater variety, which was one of the ambitions, one of the KPIs that was being looked at provided by Gen 3. So that's occurred. But the other really key moment was the fact that uh, back in 2019, the top 10 was covered by 1.1 seconds, which is quite a big gap considering the great uh, tradition of this character of this um, um, category in being very close. But today, there was a new benchmark made because the top 10 at this track were covered by 0.39 seconds, which is the closest ever top 10 shootout. Um, it's a short track compared to a Bathurst, a course, or a Sandown, but still, nevertheless, a 0.39 is extraordinarily close with minor, minor incidents. A number of drivers who'd made them would suddenly go from first step back to fifth with just a, a simple brake lock-up. Although we did get to enjoy a headline in a uh, newspaper's website that had a horrific lock-up for... Shane Van Gisbergen, which I know amused you no end throughout the race. Indeed, indeed. It was not a, it was not a horror, horror show at all, but anyway. But the important part about um, today was in terms of the qualifying, which happened earlier, of course, before the shootout. And during that moment, we saw the entire grid covered by 0.8 of a second, compared to, in 2019, there was a 2.4 second gap. So that's a third closer, I mean, a third of the, of the time. And that's an extraordinary tightening of that grid. Now, they're all learning the car still, but they're all in the same playing field and they are all getting there. So that was terrific. But we did see that dominant performance by Triple Eight. And, and so if we're ticking off, we're qualifying better than uh, the last time they were here. Top 10 shootout, clearly the best in the history of the sport. Race, 14 second win. Second place was the teammate. That one probably has a ways to go before you tick that KPI. Indeed. And, uh, and of course, now we have to determine as to whether that race result will stand. 
um, or the penalties will will overpower that, and it'll see a, a new a change to that. But it'll be interesting to see. And certainly, it's it's wet the whistle for the future of the category. It it has certainly shown itself up that the changes. Has it all been worthwhile? Well, if you were just judging it on the fact that it was a race that was dominated by Triple Eight, no. But if you're working on the basis that all but one car finished, and that one car was Nick Perkett in the Walkinshaw Andretti United car, and understanding we uh, that he had a brake problem of some kind, which didn't see him get to the line. There were a number of cars that did suffer fueling problems, refueling problems, that is, that getting the fuel in quick enough. But uh, this is all to play, and it should make a fascinating Sunday and race two of the 2023 season of supercars. We did also see one wheel nut problem on Tim Slade car when he was having a, a strong performance. That was frustrating for him to lose. I think in the end, two, I think in the end, he lost five laps or something like that, where he was certainly in the top 10 for the majority of the time up until that first pit stop. I was interested to see Frosty Winterbottom drove through the field, and at one time, the biggest mover in the field was one of the rookies in Matt Payne, who had made up about 10 positions on a a track you cannot pass on easily, is the caveat. Uh, Making up positions by hook or by crook is still an impressive feat, and be that a rookie, even better. And in fact, I think Matt Payne, didn't he have a fuel refueling problem? Didn't that hold him up? I didn't. I'm not witness to that. But. Uh, no, sorry. It was Cameron Hill, in fact, who had that problem, um, which I think he's posted on Facebook. It was having a great day, but until this happened. But overall, you know, it's certainly well, well above a pass mark and uh, good on supercars for, I suppose, endeavouring and getting there and, and making it happen. But... It seems to have been a very painful process for a very lot of people to get there. Yeah, I think cars on the track, at the track, these cars look fantastic. The cars on the television look great. It will be interesting to see at the Grand Prix the differences that will come from a high-speed, high-downforce or a downforce advantageous uh, circuit and then no refuelling. So it'll be all about the pit stops, and this is where we could see the uh, any sort of issue with the, the new wheel, nut, and spindle combination come into play because at the moment they have the luxury of how long it takes to drop the fuel in. Yeah. Um, one of the great things about today was that we know that 25 cars will be starting tomorrow's race, tomorrow's qualifying, and tomorrow's race, which means that uh, we're for likely at least as good if not better a show tomorrow well talking about the show we've got the rest of this show coming up and we're going to go backwards through time because the race results are provisional but the interviews we did aren't so we'll speak to jamie wincup the team principal of triple eight race engineering ahead of the uh, protest and the protest decision we'll speak to matt roberts who is his counterpart down there at tickford and he was uh, very happy to be the car controller of Matt, uh, of sorry, not of Matt, of it's Matt Roberts we're talking about, who's the car controller for Cam Waters and James Courtney, as we mentioned, both top 10 finishes in the provisional results. And then we slip back a bit further in time to the team that really kicked off the year in fine style and took the first 
provisional poll and then went on to take the first official armour roll poll position in Erebus Motorsport. And we had the opportunity to speak to George Commons and Tom Moore uh, in the early part of the day. And in fact, um, as has been pointed out by one good Paul Morris, that there we have two drivers who have sprint car qualifications and success on the front row of the opening supercar round of 2023. This will all be interesting to sit back and enjoy. Jamie Wincup um, as the leader of the pack, so to speak. Uh, a one-two for the team with your debut of your new Chevy Camaro. Quite amazing. Yeah, we obviously couldn't be happier. Um, it's an unbelievable, it's an iconic day for the sport. Uh, debuting the third generation of our supercar. Um, and yeah, the cars look fantastic. They sound great. We're here at a crazy little street track in Newcastle. Uh, to have both cars finish the race is an achievement. To, to get a win is a, is, a, is a very big achievement, but to get a one-two, it's, um, yeah, it's unthinkable, unthinkable. We couldn't be happier. It's a true, true testament to uh, all our crew, from the design team to uh, you know, the, the, the people on the front line putting the cars together to our engineers to make the cars fast, to our drivers. It's a complete package and we couldn't be happier. You have an advantage over both of us because you were watching as your team were doing their pit stops and those sort of things. Um, there's one car DNF, that was Nick Perkett. He had a brake problem. Yep. Okay, don't know what the problem was, but he had a brake problem. And given that there was no change from the previous model, really in terms of spec as such, we can only think it's installation. But from your team point of view, how do your pit stops go? Because you saw them firsthand. Yeah, no, we we did well. There's a, the car obviously needs some refinement here here and there, but that but where the car is at the moment, it's well above expectation. Well above expectation. There's only a few small things with a brand new car from the ground up, so we you know we couldn't be happier. It's a chat. In the, in the, yeah, I'll come. I'll come. Sure? I'll, I'll be one minute. Yeah. Yep. yeah. No, no, I'll come. It's been a charmed career as a team principal. Winning championships, winning races, or team principal of the team winning races, winning championships, where do they sit? Um, oh, they're very, very high, of course, no doubt. You know, this is a, this is a huge achievement for the team. I, I remember when we did the change from Ford to Holden and we, we won the first race, which, which is very, very um, you know, close to our heart. And then we won the first year of the Gen 2, first race of Gen 2, which was uh, over in Abu Dhabi. Uh, but this is a one-two, one-two with a brand new car. Very, very, very special. It's it's right up there with with those three I mentioned, plus our uh, our one-two at Bathurst many years ago. It's another one up on the older uh, team principal. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, no. There's no competition between RD and I. We're we're both. Uh, you know, I've, I'm trying to pick up where he left off. Big shoes to fill, but we're um. Yeah, you know, it's a testament to the people. Jamie, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing it all tomorrow. Um, amazing because the field was more compressed, the tightest ever top 10 shoot at 0.39. Um, it was 1.1 back in 19 when you were in the field. So extraordinary sort of times. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, the car's a fantastic product. I'm so grateful that we're, it's, uh, it's finally arrived and I think the sport's better for it and I'm um, looking forward to the action tomorrow. One last moment was the heat thing, is that totally solved now or is there more to come on it? No, not totally solved. There, there'll be, evo there'll be um, we'll evolve the car for the next two years, you know what yeah. I mean? It'll come a long way. So drivers want a little bit more feel on the steering wheel. They want a little bit cooler inside. We'll fix all those. But um, we're, we, we're just trying to, we just, we've done everything we can to get the cars here racing. We've achieved that. Now we'll start making them better. And you've got no call on the parts bin at the moment. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, don't, we're not talking too soon. We'll, okay. see, we'll see how we go tomorrow. Thank you, boys. Gen 3, and we're with Matthew Roberts, team principal here down at Tickford Racing. And four cars to finish the race. 
one on the podium and the other one in the top 10. You must be very pleased with this. Yeah, super excited for the team. You know, there's so much work gone into getting just these four Gen 3 cars, let alone the whole field from other teams. Um, super excited to, you know, to get the day off on the right foot with two cars in the top 10 plus a podium. Um, outstanding effort from um, young Declan. We thought he drove a superb, fine race. Um, he drove from, obviously, the second last row, the last row. Um, to P14, we were super excited with his um, performance. Unlucky for Tom getting the 15 second time penalty added to his pit stop. Um, but yeah, overall, all in all, the team performed really well. The goal of the outset was to um, make sure we get to the finish. We get to the finish, we'll be in the top 10, and we did that. So great achievement for the team. So much hard work. Um, all the guys at the factory, the guys here at the, you know, the weekend, um, We've had late nights every night since we've been here in probably the last month, really, and the, and the team's worked tirelessly to, you know, to make it all happen and to bring it all together. In the entire time I've known you, you've been in the trenches. Are you still car controller? Uh, yes, I am. Right, OK. <laughs> but at least one thing I know is you're not car controller for four cars, only two. No, no only just James and um, Cam, so, yeah, five and six car controller, okay. yeah. You've got a great privilege over what we have because we don't see all the pit stops. We don't see all. The... Were there anything in particular that showed up during those two uh, two stops you had? Um, yeah, we've, I've been seeing it all weekend. You know, the the guys have been really, really kind to you know putting the the wheel nuts on. That's probably our biggest area of concern at the moment. We've overcome the the wheel tightness problem that you you would have seen other teams battle with today. Touchwood, we've overcome that. Um, but I still think there's area to um, for question um, on the wheel nut. I, I'm not satisfied that the category as a whole is on top of that. Um, you know, I've seen quite a few nuts cross thread in piss off practice. Even this morning, I saw four other teams cross thread nuts. Um, I still think there's something underlying there. Um, I still think you know we should be cautious. I think it will rear its head in um, Grand Prix in three weeks' time because, you know, we're, we're going to be racing for tyre changes there. Um, so we'll go back to the workshop in Camberfield and, you know, we'll, we'll get the guys training now that we've got cars and we can, we can actually do piss-off practice. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll put them through the paces and see, you know, see how fast we can get. I think the speed will be there. They're, you know, they're quite a, an easy nut to get a hold of and the gun... Um, the guys have adapted really well. We haven't done a lot of pit stop practice because of all the issues that, you know, not only us, but all teams have been having. Um, but fortunately, again, a T8 design, it's that, that proved itself this weekend. Um, so now that we've overcome the nut coming out of the wheel, now I think there's still, yeah, just some, there's some work to be done on the, you know, thread engagement. The new guns you're using, are they more powerful than you've used previously? Uh, we've actually turned the guns down um, that we use in pit lane. Um, because the, the smaller spindle on these Gen 3 cars require less torque. Uh, so we should actually see more life out of our, our um, pneumatic guns. But funny you should say, we've actually moved to uh, electric guns during practice sessions. Um, and the guys have adapted really well. And they're a good thing. So if anyone out there wants to sponsor us with an inch drive impact gun, I'm all ears. Matty, just one thing uh, about the riding instructions today knowing there are equipment limited or spares limited yep. what were the riding instructions for drivers like take it easy is one thing yep. but did you give them a, a number 
Yeah, we were, we were stern. Um, we've, we haven't changed our tone a weekend right from practice one. Um, the guys know that, that we're on the limit for spares, that's for sure. Um, but we, we said to them, if you're in a position where you need to race, you need to race. We'll, we'll do what it takes to, to find the spares. You know, we're, we're all a, you know, we're a big community. There's not one team that's not going to say no to something. Um, we're all working together and have done for the last probably two months. Um, but we actually pulled the stops out today because we wanted to see how fast we could go. We've still got some work to do to catch up to um, those matte blue things up the road. Um, but, you know, we've, got a, we've probably got the best bunch of um, uh, engineers in the lane. So, you know, we've got a, we've got a great team there. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the year. So hopefully we can uh, catch them and beat them. One last thing, in between qualifying and the top 10 shooter, James Golding said on camera, and then Mark Scaife repeated it a couple of times, that he enjoyed driving this car more than the last car. Have any of your guys got out of the car and said, yeah, that was terrific, I enjoyed it? Are they showing that? They're actually getting out of the car now, and they're, I think it's a, it's a more of a, it's a unique car now. It's, it's, you know, it's moving a lot under brakes, and they're having to, all their driver inputs mean something. Um, whereas, you know, the, the, the driving inputs on the previous generation car were being masked by the, you know, the significant amount of aero we had. Now that, you know, they're having to really muscle the cars around the track and, um, you know, drive the things that, you know, they're having to watch how they put the power down because there's no rear downforce. They're really having to really be gentle on that steering input because, you know, the, the front downforce isn't there. Under brakes, you know, they're squirming as everyone's seeing. Everyone's seeing lockups. You know, Cam's been having lockups all weekend. We saw Shane have one in, in, um, in the race and, and in qualifying. Everyone's pushing to the limits and, you know, they, they've adapted to the cars quite, quite good. You know, we've had a thousand kilometres in testing in the off season, um, which I think we could have probably done with another thousand, but time permitting, that wasn't the time wasn't there to do it. But you know the guys have really adapted. Um, I think they're a good thing. It'll take us as a team um, a couple of months to get on top of them. You know how how the small things go together and whatnot. But we'll get on top of that. But yeah, all in all, the drivers are really positive about them. Wonderful, and thanks very much, Matt Roberts. Congratulations. Hope tomorrow goes just as smoothly for you as today. Maybe a couple of positions up on the uh, podium, and uh, the drivers will have to be earning their pay, as they say. Cheers, Tony. Thanks, mate. It's the start of day two of Gen 3, and we're with two of the men, the men who make decisions and uh, point directions for drivers at Erebus Motorsport, Coca-Cola Shore Partners Racing, and uh, Tom Moore on car nine, and George Commons on car 99. This is your third year on... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. George, we can start with you as a senior partner, Tom, but yeah, you're young. Right. Yeah. Um, surprises yesterday, after a day of running, the cars came back okay? Yeah, no, they came back fine. The, the, the little things that we thought might have happened have happened in terms of a bit of damage here and there, but nothing that was unexpected. So, yeah, it was a smooth day, really. We know that there's an enormous shortage of spares, and Will had a, a, a scuff on a wall, but um, there was nothing worn out that you sort of thought wouldn't be worn out? No, no. I mean, we thought we'd have some touching issues, and we did, So, but that's not unusual across the, across the paddock, I don't think. Um, but yeah, to be expected and yeah, no, no damage from wheels that will touch with the wall and you know we do have some spares but obviously we've got to be circumspect with them. Bottoming out, it, this track has got a lot of places where you see the cars slamming. Tom, what are you, 
what have you been looking at in the data about how the cars and the suspension are handling that? Yeah, you can see that. Um, it's all about understanding under what circumstances that going to happen and where it's going to be worse. Like, for example, high fuel load, how bad is the bottoming going to be? Like, you don't want to sort of go too far down the path of protecting the car for, say, the first stint of the race where it's going to slow the car down at the end of the race. So the drivers give a lot of feedback on they can feel the bottoming out themselves and they like, I mean Brody had a pretty good shock up his spine at one point that he said he felt. Um, but it's just about what they can handle and what the car can handle and then finding the right, the right compromise between making sure the car lasts the race distance and then being fast at the end of the race as well. With the less amount of driver adjustability in the car and the fuel tank seemingly on its side and that weight transfer is now more pronounced, are you consciously going we're balancing the car for the end of the race when there's no fuel in it? I think you probably do that um, anyway. I think even in the old car you want to be fastest at the end of the race um, but it probably definitely comes into considerations about how do we take into account the effect that the fuel has because it's definitely more. Um, a full tank is, will have more effect on the car than it used to um, and then balancing that over the race distance as well but the priority is definitely always the end of the race. You don't want to be, oh yeah it was great that I was the fastest car for the first 30 laps but we were you know half second off at the end. So that priority hasn't really changed, but I think it's definitely come into consideration over a distance. George, um, of course, there are lots of new components. It's all a new component, but some of the known factors were the AP brake package and the Frodo pads. Um, how did they all perform during yesterday? Yeah, I mean, they were fine yesterday. They went out on brand new sets. They took a little while to come in, but otherwise, um, the, the drivers do say compared to our old package, it is harder to release, so it's harder to recover from a lockup. So to be right on the edge of the braking performance and not have a mistake is difficult. So I think that's why you saw so many cars down escape roads and things like that yesterday. If you, it's really hard to recover the front basically if you, if you have a little lock. Um, so that, that is a bit different for them. It's just a different challenge. They'll, they'll adapt. They'll get used to it. And practice starts. Um, obviously, that's one of the critical moments in any race. Um, but with a new car, new clutch package, how, how did they perform? Yeah, again, I mean, it was sort of as expected. We did a couple of testing anyway. We did one yesterday just to make sure procedurally that the dash and the information that comes up to the driver is all correct. Um, but, you know, the feedback from them is it's fine. It feels sort of a little bit different, but not, nothing they can't handle. OK, um, Tom, uh, when Will had his moment, uh, he had it before actually got to hitting the wall. It was, um, you know, sort of 100 metres or 50 metres before that moment. It, was it just a lock-up there? Um, he actually lost the rear a little bit on corner entry and then when he lost the rear sort of tried to recover it and then pinched the front at the same time as he tried to make the corner. Um, so he sort of, he scared the shit out of me in the garage for a minute there because you, when, you, when you see the, the wheel speed go to zero and the steering trace go the wrong way you, you fear that it's in the fence but he managed to, yeah the bump was, it didn't actually cause any damage at all so that was fine. Um, we looked at it afterwards, we knew what it was, he knew straight away why it had happened and that sort of thing so he's probably, yeah exactly. He's. Um, I think like all drivers are just finding the limit of the car. Like George said, being able to recover from those little moments, there might not be as much, say, locking margin as we had in the cars as they were refined at the end of their life, sort of towards the end of last year. Um, so it's just finding those limits. It's like, that's like George said, that's why there were so many cars sort of up, up the skate roads yesterday. George, you guys at Erebus have built your own cars from the ground up. When you're looking at the other ones, are you going, hmm, we did a pretty good job there? Uh, yeah, no, we're very happy with uh, with how we've our cars have come that's together. Smug and happy, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we are very happy. I mean, to be able to control it all in house, we're very the accuracy of our chassis is probably second to none. Hearing what other people are having to deal with up and down the pit lanes in terms of shimming things to get things right, we have no shims. Everything's to the millimetre. 
Um, you know, James does a, or Jimmy does a fantastic job on that side of things. And the rest of the crew's done a really nice job of the, the fine details, everything that you can do that, to make it as good as you can, basically, in a control package. So, you know, we're, we're very happy with where we are with that. So you are definitely of the measure twice cut once procedure? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Wonderful to talk to you both. And uh, best of luck today. I'm sure uh, you don't need luck because you've made it and built it. Hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. So, Tony, halfway through the racing portion of the weekend and still quite a few questions remain on the, the Gen 3 cars. We've seen them run the first 250 kilometres. Now it's what will happen in the second 250 today. I think one of the things, I'll actually just make a comment on, I feel I can make it because I've been around long enough in this. There was an awful lot of people who were, as the expression goes, sucking it up. People who were not wanting to either can, rubbish or abuse sort of the, the job that anybody's done in this, but willing to say, it is what it is, just let's get on with it. And just, you know, making sure that the show goes on. And I think that there was a pretty strong spirit up and down pit lane. And I felt that was a terrific thing to see. And I, I certainly took the attitude a few days ago for the first time really to say, it's got to go ahead and it's going to work. Let's make it and see it happen. We'll be back in a few days time to wrap up the whole weekend, Tony. But for now, that's all we have time for on this edition of Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and good night from him. Thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Sort of paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.